I, I'm just excited. I tell you what, I, uh, I'm not going to go through my testimony. I'm going to do some of that in August at the Healing is Here conference. But I have come through with a new appreciation for life and for every, every opportunity that exists out there. So I'm going to talk about some of that in my message today. And I was praying about uh, what to share with you all. And I got to confess, I got a little bit self-centered. And I asked myself, what would I like to hear? <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest. And I'm going to share with you what I wanted to hear. So <laughs> I hope, I mean, you're free to listen in and hopefully get, uh, get something out of it. I want to talk about faith and uh, just talk about the goodness of God. I mean, there's not enough time to talk about the goodness of God, but uh, just I have a new appreciation, and I just hopefully it can transmit some of that to you uh, as I go through this message. But if you want to turn to Hebrews 11.1, 1, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, some of you have heard me teach on faith before, but... When we talk about faith, we immediately enter into the world of the unseen. And what we're talking about here is that which is unseen physically, but is real spiritually. So faith is the evidence of something you can't see with your natural eyes, but is very real, if not more so than what you can see with your natural eyes. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And so immediately when we're talking about faith, we're moving into a different dimension in which we're talking about things that are real but are not sense-related to our five senses. They are spiritually discerned, spiritually understood. And so when I talk about and when I think about faith I th and I think about my recent journey and what I've been through, I realize how important it was to see myself on the other side of the journey. So I want to talk about vision, and I want to, I'm, going to, I'm going to mix faith and vision here. So let's go to uh, John 4.35. John 4.35. And Jesus says, <clears throat> uh, Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And I want to look at this with you for a couple of minutes here because he's saying you can look at the fields, and he's probably walking through a field at that time of wheat or whatever. And he says in the natural there are four months for this natural harvest, and, and you think about the natural things in terms of the routine of life, we'll say. But he says, I'm saying to you, lift up your eyes... So now he's changing the subject, and he's trying <clears throat> to get them to see with a different set of eyes. How many of you know you have two sets of eyes? We have natural eyes, and we have spiritual eyes. And he's saying, I want you to look up and look at the harvest with a different set of eyes, because what's possible out there is already ready. It's already white unto harvest. The possibilities of God are already ready right now. And when I thought about that, and I thought about how we approach life and our 
perception, let me, let me name three things that we have perceptions of. We have a perception of life in general. Why are, why are we here? And how do we see life? Is life a giant turmoil, a giant problem? Is life something to be dreaded? Is life something to be, we just have to hope we make it through? So we all have a perception of life. We have a perception of ourselves. How do you see yourself? We know in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we all have some kind of a concept of ourself. I was telling somebody before the first service that uh, I'm going to share my testimony more in, in August at the Healing is Here conference. And then I hope to not have to go back to that over and over again because I don't want that to become my identity. My identity is still out there in front of me. I'm, that was a bump in the road. I will share it to help people if it will help people, but I don't want to be known for, you need to go hear Barry tell his testimony. I don't want to, I don't want to live there in that thing because I have a different perception of myself. And God has a different perception of me. So we have a perception of life, we have a perception of ourselves, and then we have a perception of God. And the way you think about God will set the boundaries of your life. If you think God is mysterious, that will establish certain boundaries for you. If you think God is angry, that will establish boundaries for you. If you think God is uh, chintzy, uh, that will establish boundaries for you. If you think God is amazingly good, that will open up a whole different panorama for you. If you think God loves you with an unbelievable love, if you see God as wanting to bless you, that he's rejoicing over you with joy, amen, and he's wanting to give to you and bless you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that's going to open up a completely different perception of, of life for you. So what we're looking at, we're either lifting up our eyes and looking what is out there that is ready to go right now, our inheritance in Christ, or we're looking down at our lives as they are at this moment and wondering how we're going to get through. Now, I've had a lot of time to, to think. That's all I could do for a year and to pray and to think about the things of God. And I came out of my situation with a new appreciation for life. I... And I, I, you know, I've told my wife, and I forgot to introduce, that was the thing I forgot, you. So, <laughs> this is my wife, Betty Kay, if you want to stand up. I, uh, I'm blessed, yes. But now that I am alive and able to get out and enjoy life again, I do enjoy life. And everything is a bonus. And it's not that heaven would have been a bad deal because I had a glimpse of heaven, you know, about three years ago, a little two-second revelation. And it was worth the trip. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm going to have that for all eternity. And I don't want to miss this. I still have some, some stuff to do in this life. I don't want to miss this. And so now when I, when I get to drive my car, I get to drive my car myself. I didn't get to drive for almost a year, and I get to, I mean, that, to me, that's awesome. <laughs> and I get to get up and, and make breakfast, and I get to look out at the mountains or see the, my wife has a flower garden now in the backyard, and I get to look at her flower. I enjoy everything now. I have a different perspective. I've lifted up my eyes, and rather than evaluating life on, well, this is a problem, and that's a problem, and this is a problem, and that's a problem, I don't see problems anymore. It's not that they're not there, it's just that 
okay, whatever, I'm not going to get down into that and lose my peace and lose my joy. I'm going to keep my eyes lifted at the harvest that is ready to go if anyone would just look. Lift up your eyes at the harvest. The fields are white under harvest. And I'm not just talking about evangelism. Talking about all the blessings of God that exist for your life right now. All of every blessing that we've been blessed with, Ephesians 1.3, it exists right now in the world that we can't see but is real and more real than the world you can see. Amen. And so let's put this in in even more practical terms here. When we are looking at our marriage, are we using our natural eyes or our spiritual eyes? When we're looking at our children, are we looking at the terrible twos or are we looking at a future man or woman of God? What are we seeing? When you look at your job, are you looking at 40 hours of more drudgery? Or are you looking at an opportunity to be a blessing, to be salt and light, and to, and to bring positive attitude and energy and looking for the favor of God? What are you looking at? When you look at your finances, when you look at your health, what are you seeing? Are you seeing yourself healed and whole and your youth renewed? By the way, it's possible. Look at my hair. It used to be white. Okay, my youth is getting renewed. Amen. Praise God. I, uh, this is how I tend to remember myself. And the white hair never did fit with me. So I used to have very dark hair. And uh, so we're heading in the right direction now. Now, the, the wave it's getting wavy, so I don't know about that. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to have hair. <laughs> so... But when you look at your, your, your life, your health, your, your family, your whatever it is God has called you to do, what are you seeing? Which eyes are you using to evaluate what you're living through right now? And it just struck me when Jesus said, you think it's four months into harvest. You might think that it's a long way away for you to, to harvest any blessing in your life. You may see that your marriage it's going to take another two years of counseling, or it's, you know, it's going to, your kids, will they ever turn out right, or this, that, and the other. And you're looking at the natural with natural eyes. And I don't mean you, I'm not con- condemning anybody. I'm talking to, this message is for me, you get to listen. Okay? But you can look, lift up your eyes and see something that God has already prepared for you that is ready to go, but it just needs faith. It just needs us to reach out and take that which cannot be seen, that it's possible now. When I look at the miracles in the Bible, I see incredible harvests on different levels taking place because someone had a vision and sowed a seed and something happened that was unexpected. I'm going to give you some examples. On the day of Pentecost, I'm going to, in this case, God was the sower of the seed, but he poured out the Holy Spirit on 120. That was God's promised seed because God had a vision. 
And the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, and we know the story. And then Peter stood up, and a crowd gathered because of something God did. God sowed a seed. There was a commotion in the town, and, and thousands gathered together, and Peter stood forth to preach. And 3,000 souls were saved from one divine seed, a miracle seed that was so the Holy Spirit was poured on 120 within a, we'll say a couple hours, 3,000 people are part of the church because God had a vision. Now, next chapter, Acts chapter three, Peter and John go to the temple to pray and they find a lame man and Peter had a vision. Now his vision probably wasn't what was going to happen but he had a vision for this man. He saw this man with compassion. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. So there was a divine miracle seed sown. This man was healed instantly. We go through the, the turmoil that this causes with the religious authorities. And then in Acts chapter 4, Peter preaches again, and 5,000 are brought in. Because God had a vision, and Peter got a hold of the vision. How long would it have taken the 12 disciples to win 5,000 people in their own strength. But a miracle did it. A miracle opened the door. It, it, it opened the vision of what was already available. I don't know if this is, I hope this is making sense. We can talk about Peter, uh, Peter raising Dorcas from the dead. And that one miracle, it says in Acts, that many more came to the Lord because of that. We can talk about Stephen being martyred. And Stephen, now this is my perception, is that when Stephen said, do not lay this against their charge, or do not those that were stoning him to death forgive them, so to speak. And who was there? Paul. The seat of forgiveness may have been the key for God to be able to call Paul into his worldwide ministry that we are still reaping the benefits from. See, there are harvests that are out there that are ready, but somebody's got to lift up their eyes and see something and sow that seed, that miracle seed, that miracle vision, and be willing to step into something that is new, that is bigger than you ever expected. And yet I find so often that we are approaching life on a very natural level. And we are looking at our circumstances on a very natural level. And I don't know, what I went through now in this past year has just changed me in the sense that I don't want to look at the natural anymore. I want to look at what's possible that's already there. The, the fields are wide unto harvest. What's possible? What's possible with Betty Kay and myself? What's possible with my family? What's possible with my ministry? What's possible? What, What's out there that's bigger than I've even thought about? And that's where I want to keep my eyes focused. So often we get our eyes focused on the political turmoil, the political climate. And I'm not minimizing the, the need for our intervention or our participation in that. But I can't get my joy and my peace and my vision from what's going on in Washington. I can't do that. It's the joy of the Lord, folks, has not ended. He's still joyful. Amen. The peace that passes understanding hasn't run out. 
Amen? And so that which I need is still existing, but it's not existing if I keep looking to Washington for my joy and my peace. I can't get it there. And so I do very limited looking at that, and I spend a whole lot more time looking at the promises of God, as that song was talking about. I love the worship today and this morning and first service as well. What a sweet spirit here. But we're looking, we need to look at the right things. We need to look at the promises. Yesterday I was in the basement of my house and I have a TV room down there and at some point I turned off the TV and have my, I always have my iPad with me. I guess I'm known for that. And I opened up my Bible and I just went through and started picking out all the verses that talk about that God is my source and God wants to prosper me in every, every way, shape and form. And I just went through and I was highlighting verses left and right. I have probably over 70 verses now highlighted that I then get to go back and read through over and over and over and over. I was telling Betty Kay that I, uh, at work now, I, I have my iPad next to me. I'm on my computer, but then I'll have the iPad and, and I'll keep the Bible app open with a promise or some kind of declaration highlighted. And so that every time I open my iPad to look something up, the first thing I see is that Bible verse. And I'll read it and meditate on it, read it, meditate on it, read it, meditate on it, because I want to keep my eyes in the right place. I want to keep my vision concentrated, focused on the goodness of God, on the fields that are white unto harvest, on the possibilities that when God shows me a supernatural seed to sow, I'll get a supernatural harvest. I don't want to be limited to just what I can do in my strength, because that's not very much. But what God can do, if I would just be looking at the right thing. Amen. I have in my notes, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. And if all you see is lack, you're going to get lack. If you see sickness, you're going to get sickness. If you see the joy of the Lord and possibilities and prosperity and abundance, you'll get that. Did you know that Jesus, when he was ministering in the midst of Roman oppression, never mentioned Roman oppression? And yet he was giving promises about abundant life and every desire of your heart and pray and receive. And he was giving all of these promises in the midst of Roman oppression. That didn't stop him from his promises. And he wasn't saying we need to raise up, rise up and... and kill Caesar and take over. He wasn't preaching that. He was saying the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. He's trying to get them. They were wanting someone on a white horse to come in and, you know, take over, get the Romans out of Israel. Don't read anything political into what I'm saying. I'm just trying to, to create an environment here that the promises of God are valid. I don't care who's in Washington. If you have the eyes to see them, we can expect and reap abundant life, joy, peace, prosperity. We can reap these things now. The fields are white unto harvest, but do you have the eyes to see it or are you busy looking at all of the problems? Looking at problems will create more problems for you. Amen. Anybody still with me? Yes. Okay, I know I've taught this 
this little thing before, but I'm going to just mention it again, that when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes, when he said, what do you have to his disciples? And they said, well, we only have, in one of the accounts it says, we only have. So immediately they have evaluated the lack and established that, and they want to make sure Jesus understands that it's just this little bit. And he says, have the people sit down in groups. And I'm sure they're thinking, did he not hear us? We only have five loaves and two fish. How is this possibly going to work? But Jesus is looking at what's available with different eyes. He's not seeing five loaves and two fish. He's seeing enough for a multitude of thousands plus basketfuls left over. He's using different eyes. And when you look at your bank account, what do you see? See, some of you are seeing, well, I only have, and if I subtract this, and then I got to pay that. And I understand that. But if you could lift up your eyes and see the source, see God is so excited to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think then you could take part of that as a miracle seed and sow it and expect the blessing of God. I have a new book coming out. It's actually going to arrive tomorrow uh, on uh, shaping your future. And it's all about the power of the seed, the power of sowing and reaping. And it should be available at AWM later in the week, and then it'll be on Amazon and all these different places. So you can look for that. But... Farmers sow because they have a vision of a harvest. They've, they're looking at a future harvest based upon a seed. What are you looking at? Future harvests are out there, miraculous, supernatural, more than you can ask or think. Harvests are there, but what are you looking at? And if you only look at the loaves and the fishes, say, well, this isn't enough. But it could be if you had the right vision. It wasn't miracle bread, folks. It wasn't miracle fish. It was miracle vision. That's what changed the situation, the vision that Jesus had. I can only do what I see my father doing. Well, that's what he saw his father doing, so what do you see your father doing? How do you translate that into your family life? What do you see your father doing? There's a great verse I teach a lot. I know that some of this is you've heard, but go to 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us to us in Christ Jesus, when? Have you ever seen that? Before time began, not before creation, but before time began, God saw you. He had a vision and for you, he had purpose and grace or provision for that purpose before time began. That's awesome. And yet we now look at ourselves and all we tend to look at are our limitations. You know, I was thinking the other day, I, was, I, was, I, see, I look at um, news apps briefly 
But I see the same pictures of the same people over and over and over. They're just plastered on these news apps, Fox News or whatever. And uh, I'm looking at those people, and the idea is that they want you to be agitated and upset and angry. And I thought, you know what? Some, that was someone's little child. That person, whatever they've turned out to be, was someone's little baby that brought them joy, and the child was laughing and happy and all of that. And we, Betty Kay and I were in Dallas last weekend, and we got to meet our granddaughter that got born during the COVID quarantines and my own personal quarantine, and so we haven't seen her yet. So we got to fly down to Dallas and see our one-year-old granddaughter, and she is just the happiest child. But she is dependent upon the influences that are going to enter her life from now on. What kind of influences are there? And I, think, I look at these political figures and I think, what kind of influences have shaped them to be angry and agitated and against this and against that? What has shaped them? What was the original purpose and grace for them from before time began? And I've decided I'm going to lift up my eyes. And when I pray for people now, I'm not going to pray for what they've become, but what they were intended to be. I want to see with the eyes of God. I don't think God's closed his eyes now to them just because they've gone off the rails. We need to have the compassion of Christ to pray. What did God intend for that person? Fill in the blank, whoever you're upset with at the moment. Okay. <laughs> What, did, what had God intended for them? What was his purpose and grace for their life from before time began that has been shaped by the darkness of this fallen world? All of us have been shaped in some way. I'm going to lift up my eyes. I want to see, when I pray, I want to pray with different eyes. What's possible still for this, this person? Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son had a vision for his life that was not his father's vision for his life, and off he goes. And at some point in the pig pen, it says, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, a new vision was birthed. And that's what I think everybody in Washington needs, Amen. is a come-to-yourself moment. I, I ministered to a guy a number of years ago that was had gone through some sex change issues and medical stuff and, and had gone a long way in transitioning from a guy to a, supposedly a girl. And there was a point in his testimony where he was in his own kitchen in his house and all of a sudden he just woke up. He just came to himself. And he looked down at his body and he says, my God, what have I done? And he got saved. See, that's lifting up your eyes and seeing something else. And we as a body can do that for each other and for others that we don't even know. What did God intend? What's the vision? What's the harvest that's ready to be harvested, but we're not looking at that. We're too busy focused on what we don't like. Amen. Is this making any sense to you? Okay. We have spiritual eyes, but we often fail to use them. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. 
Paul says, and this is well known, but while we do not look at things which are seen, but things which are not seen, we're trying to look at things which we can't see with our natural eyes, but are there but are, and are more real than what we do see. Because what we do see, it goes on to say, is temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Whatever you're going through right now is, can it be changed? Then it's temporary. Whatever your loved ones are going through right now, can those situations be changed? And you may think, well, I don't know. Yeah, they can. Yes, they can be changed if you have the eyes to see it. See, a lot of things depend upon the eyes that we're using, especially in our relationships. What are you seeing? I want to get too, don't raise your hands or anything. What are you seeing with your spouse? Oh, brother, if you only knew. No. See, that's the problem. You're focused on what you don't like, but can you lift up your eyes? When you see your kids, what are you seeing? When you see your job, what are you seeing? Opportunity or drudgery? When you see your health, are you spending all day on the internet looking at WebMD? I bet I have that. I have yet to go to WebMD and look up what I had. Uh, the doctors would tell me stuff and I'd have to sign papers and all this, that, and the other, but I just didn't let it enter in. I didn't let it enter in and I don't want to study it and I don't want to know about it because God gave me a word on day one, you will make it through this, you will live and not die. And so I kept my eyes focused on that. I kept my eyes focused on the future. I did a lot of things probably wrong during my year I had some bad attitudes. I think I deserved, deserved them, but <laughs> uh, I went through a lot of stuff. But one thing I did right was keep my eyes on the future. I kept my eyes on future ministry. I kept my eyes on future birthday parties and Christmas parties. And I kept my eyes on, and I, I would go on Amazon and I would, I would buy things I couldn't use until I was healed because I kept my eyes on the future. I kept my eyes, I wanted to preach at Summer Family Bible Conference. I have to be invited. I was concerned I wasn't getting invited. Suddenly, not at the last minute, but toward what I thought was kind of, it's getting to be too late, I got invited to speak at Summer Family. I've been invited to speak at Healing is Here. That was a goal. I had goals. I was keeping my eyes lifted up. I have a lot more goals about ministry. I have more goals about a number of things because I want to keep my eyes lifted up. I don't want to start, oh, woe is me. I don't want to go there. We all have spiritual eyes that we are either using or not using. And the more we, ch we choose to look at the promises of God, as that great song was this morning, and we choose to see his promises and we choose to see not the battle but the victory, the first song that we sang. The songs today were great. They just told Betty Kay, there's my message, there's my message. There's my... What eyes are you using? Which eyes are you using to see what you're going through? Because the fields are white under harvest. Let's change that. The promises of God are just bursting at the seams to get into your life if you would just lift up your eyes and see them 
and believe them and receive them. <clears throat> All right, go with me to 1 John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed. Did I read that right? Has not yet been revealed. What we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That last phrase, we shall be like him, for we shall, what? See him him as he is. We shall be like him because we shall see him. We shall be like what we see. There's a powerful truth right there. You are going to be like what you see. What are you seeing? Who are you seeing? When you see people, what are you seeing? How bad they turned out or what God intended for them? How do you pray for them? Because how you pray for them is going to be based on what you see for them. When you see circumstances, what do you see? You're going to be like what you see. Oh, this is, I just can't take it anymore. I just, this, this is too hard. You're going, your life will be like what you see. No, praise God, I see victory. I see the promises of God. I mean, I've just spent a year in bed, basically. And I had to choose to see what I'm doing right now. I had to choose to see the the good things we're enjoying right now. We just played mini golf yesterday. (laughs) We're talking about mini golf. And that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I shared in first service that uh, she doesn't understand the male ego. So she beat me. (sighs) And so we're going to have a rematch here soon. (laughs) But uh, what, what... what are you seeing? I had a year to consider what I'm seeing. And I'm now living what I saw. I could have easily cashed it in, folks. But I chose to, to, to get through it, and now I'm living what I saw. Blessings are coming upon our lives because I choose to see blessings. I choose to see favor. I choose to see harvests. I choose to see increasing influence. I have no idea all that God has in store for me, but I'm choosing to see more than I can ask or think. Praise God. I I refuse to live in the dumps of looking at the the here and now and saying, oh, this is a mess. I'm not going to live there. There are no messes too big for God. There are no problems that there's not a harvest for. Lift up your eyes. You will become like what you see. It says in Luke 11.34. Luke 11.34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good or when your eye is lifted up and looking at the unseen and seeing it, it says your whole body is full of light. When you're looking at the promises of God, the declaration of God, when you have a right perception of God, that God is good, that God loves you, that God is wanting to bless you, your body will be filled with the light of God because you're looking at who he really is. It says, but when your eye is bad or when all you can see are the negative circumstances, the limitations 
the five loaves and the two fishes, and this is all we have. And if that's the way you evaluate life, your whole body will be full of darkness, or you will be experiencing loss, the loss that you're seeing. You will become like what you see. Is anybody getting something? Seeing him with our spiritual eyes makes us like him. We must focus on things which are seen rather than the things that are the natural. We need to focus on things that are not seen or the spiritual rather than focus on the natural. Praise the Lord. When architects and builders build something, they see it first. When great inventors invent something, they've seen it first. <clears throat> Rocket ships that go to the moon or circle the earth, space stations, somebody saw it first as a possibility. It bothers me that Christians seem to do less dreaming and less seeing than, than natural people. What are you seeing for your future? What are you seeing for five years from now? What are you seeing for tomorrow? What, can you take time to lift up your eyes, to get excited about the harvest that might be in your lap tomorrow if you would just choose to see it? What good things can happen tomorrow? Not Don't wake up and say, I wonder what bad things are going to happen today. No, what blessings are going to overtake you tomorrow? What abundance is waiting for you? What can you sow into someone's life that could be a miracle seed that could release them or release blessing back on you? What can you do to bless somebody, to give to somebody, to lift somebody up? All of these things take us into a different dimension of life. In Genesis 15.5, Genesis 15.5, it says, this is a God's dealing with Abraham, and he says, He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. I must be in King James here. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God gave Abraham a vision of what was to be by saying, Look at the stars. And so every time that Abraham begins to doubt, what does he, what does he need to do? Go outside at night and look at the stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to keep the vision before you. You've got it, sometimes it's a struggle, folks. I, I understand that. But you got to keep the vision in front of you. You got to keep the future in front of you. You got to keep the harvest in front of you, the promises of God. Keep them in front of you all the time. Because the more you choose to see that that dimension of life, the more it will become your reality in the natural. Praise God. Write down what you see. Keep it before you. Remind yourself daily about the visions that God has put in your heart. He put something into you before time began. And there's grace or provision for that to be accomplished. That should excite all of us. I don't want to miss anything. What, I mean, perhaps I probably have missed things along the way, but in the here, right now, today, from this point forward, I don't want to miss the good things, the good harvests that God has for me. But what about, I need to lift up my eyes and quit getting into the turmoil of, of this world and this life. We'll finish with this verse. 
Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, I'm going to tie this together with the, the other verse in 2 Timothy 1.9 that he gave you purpose and grace for that purpose from before time began. And he's, Jeremiah 29.11 I'm envisioning things for you to give you the expected end that started back here. This is what I wanted for you. And I'm thinking good thoughts toward you. I want to bless you to give you that end, which was before time began, what I saw. See, God works according to vision. I think we need to work according to vision. Amen? We need to lift up our eyes and see the unseen faith is the evidence of things not seen do you have some evidence in your heart some evidence of things that God has put there that have been percolating that are building an expectation keep your eyes on that keep your eyes on that dimension that harvest the fields are wide unto harvest the promises of God are all chomping at the bit to come alive in your life if you would choose to see them, believe them, declare them, and stay focused on that dimension of life. Amen. I hope somebody got something from that. I want to... I want to pray for you, if you don't mind standing, if you, if you can. If you can't, we'll pray for you to stand. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, Father, we love you. Forgive us for limiting you in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for looking at the mundane, the temporal, that which is lacking. And Father, encourage, I, I, I just I speak that we would all be inspired right now to lift up our eyes and to see as you see the possibilities, the fields that are white unto harvest, the promises that are ready to be released into our lives, the goodness of God, the overwhelming goodness of God, the pressed down, shaken together, running over goodness of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes understanding, the prosperity on every level, spirit, soul, and body, the health, the healing, the relationships restored, the hearts healed, that we would have eyes to see people as you saw them from before time began, and we could pray for them on that level and not just as a reaction to what the world has done to them. Oh, Father. Give us, Father, you've given us, but let us step into the grace to enjoy life, to see it as you see it, that every day is an opportunity. Every day is a potential blessing. Every day is a potential harvest. Help us to see where we can sow into people's lives and realize that even one miracle seed can cause incredible blessing. 
Father, we just covenant with you to, to use our spiritual eyes, to stop complaining, to stop worrying, and to start blessing and speaking words of life. And giving thanks, Father, we give thanks to you. We give thanks for our, the roofs over our head, the food we eat. We give thanks for the cars we drive. We give thanks for the clothes we wear. We give thanks for that somebody loves us. We give thanks for the opportunities we have, that we have jobs. We give thanks, Father, that you are our source. But, Father, we don't want to limit you to what we see with our natural eyes. You are our source in a whole different dimension. And we want to enter into that dimension and see those possibilities and see them come to pass. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. I have a word in tongues. And if anyone have the interpretation, come forward. Heshea nete o loko yasika yasenete. O shonoli asa ki shalata yerea losono. Ole asana ishi kasata yeresete. Ole asana yerea boko le asata shikia. Shanaya setea lo soko de la mishi ki satayeri. Alana ye le se netea lo soko de. Ishi shana sana eme elea soto. Um, this is what I heard. Um, uh, you are my people, and uh, I'm going to lead you um, in the way you're supposed to go and uh, bless you abundantly and uh, just trust in me and um, follow me, and uh, I'm with you always. Step out. In the faith I have given you, that is my grace. Step out. I love you. I want to see you move. I want to see you walk in all that I have provided through you, to you, through my son, Jesus. I love you. Trust me. All the words that were given today, it's, they are such a blessing. And this resonated also. It says, Luke 5.5. 5, and Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing, but on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. And just to remember that even through all the prayers that we may feel that are an answer, at the end of the day, what is the word? That's the word we stand on and we keep pursuing. Just as we were singing a while ago, I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles. I heard the Father singing back to me. He said, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the son of miracles. Amen. Amen.